This, this guys, this has been, um, I, I, for me, a really interesting conversation. I'm glad we're having it. Although I, I need to say to the two of you, I'm, I'm disappointed that neither one of you suggested giving, given the timing of the year that, you know, we should have been doing this with eggnog. Um, <laughs> so, well, don't we have one more before Christmas we have scheduled to record? <laughs> I, we can all come with our with our beverage of choice at that point. So. And, and your your sweaters are way too tasteful for this time of year, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the Three Wise Men of Divorce, Money, Psych, and Law podcast. Sit down with the California divorce experts, financial divorce consultant Mark Hill marriage and family therapist Pete Russos and attorney Sean Weber for a frank and casual conversation about divorce, separation, co-parenting, and the difficult decisions real people like you face during these tough times. We know that if you are looking at divorce or separation, it can be scary and overwhelming. With combined experience of over 60 years of divorce and conflict management, we are here for you and look forward to helping by sharing our unique ideas, thoughts, and perspectives on divorce, separation, and co-parenting. So here we are, um, winding down another year. I can't believe it's December already. It 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 um, it seems that we just did this. <laughs> so so let me ask you guys: Is there something special? Um, about the end of the year as it relates to, in, in your mind, the, the processes of divorce? Like what comes up for you guys when you think about end of year? Or I guess another way of thinking about it is not just end of year, but start of new year. Well, the, the first thing that happens to me is I got the people that are trying to finish their case and they want to be divorced by the end of the year. And uh, the only reason that somebody really needs to be concerned about divorcing by the end of the year is if they... Uh, if there's a tax reason for it. So if they want to file separately without taking the hit and having to file married filing separately, it's best if they can be divorced before the end of the year. Um, although honestly, Mark, you and I have experienced that most people do better just waiting until January to call themselves divorced and then filing jointly for the year. Yeah. I mean, that's usually the best outcome saves the couple both money. Um, <clears throat> they have to talk to their accountant <laughs> to make sure obligations are split appropriately. And there may be another small bill from the accountant to do that work, but they're better off just about in every single case to file jointly, marriage filing jointly. And even when we've got the case resolved months ahead of the end of the year, where the judgment is signed, it's actually sitting on the judge's desk and the judge will sign it early in um, January and they'll be final then, but they can literally then file the joint return for this current tax year. I had a case where it was like a week before the end of the year and I submitted a judgment and I told the people, don't worry, they won't be able to file this until the end of the, you know, until the, it won't be final until January. And lo and behold, if the court didn't go ahead and terminate their marital status <laughs> on December 30th, <laughs> Acting like they actually processed the judgment in January, but they thought they were doing them a favor by processing on mm. December 30th, and it just screwed everything up for their taxes. Oh boy, yeah. So now I've gotten in a habit if they really want to make sure they're divorcing in the new year to go ahead and let the court know when I send it. Yeah. But um, you know, the, the courts here in San Diego do a special walkthrough date, but it, it, it 
you have to um, turn all the papers in 15 days before the walkthrough date. And they usually set the walkthrough date like around the 18th of December, depending on the courtroom. And if you think 15 court days, so you have to remove holidays and weekends, that gets you back pretty far, like towards the beginning of December, end of November. And, and so most people have missed the opportunity to get the guaranteed walkthrough date. But the judges are saying that if you turn it in now, they'll process it by the end of the year. I'll see if that's really true. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's that. You know, the other reason that sometimes people want to have it done by the end of the year is just a psychological reason. Mm-hmm. I yeah. need to be divorced. You know, mm-hmm. I've had people say that to me, and I, I um, it doesn't matter to them as much financially and legally. What really matters to them is just, I, I need my marital status terminated this year. I can't go into a new year being married to this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Um, I would probably suggest to folks that you cut yourself some slack on that and just remember it's just a date, you know, but. Um, Unless there's a desire to remarry in January. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can't tell you how many cases I've had where somebody's got wedding invitations printed already and, and yes. like, you're not going to be divorced by that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or I guess, and and then, you know, as we're talking about it, thinking about those cases of people who are contemplating divorce and um, and how many times I've heard over the course of my career uh, where where couples talk about, you know, we let, let's wait and, and not make the decision or individuals, let's not make the decision in, until the new year, um, get through the holidays, make it easier perhaps on the, the the, the children and and I understand that, but at the same time, you know, there is no best time I think to announce the decision to divorce. I mean, I've, I've right. seen families where where you know kids appreciated the fact that they had they didn't know what was going on uh, until after the holidays, and and seen situations in families where the withholding of that information was actually something that the kids experienced is, is making it more difficult and more challenging. We, we talked about that on our last yeah. pod. Yeah. That, that sometimes the kids feel like they've been duped. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, you know, it, it just kind of recap what we talked about last time. It's, it's very important when you think about the decision to talk to family about the divorce that you just do it in a unified way mm-hmm. in a way that's not too cute. Mm-hmm. I think some people try to make it, well, we're going to get through Christmas because it'll be nice and we'll open presents together. Well, your kids aren't stupid. Right. You right. know, even the small kids can tell when there's negativity going on and when things are awful. I mean, how many cases have you had Pete where somebody says to you, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad they're finally getting divorced. Oh yeah. I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of times what happens, not to recap too much of what we did last time, but I think a lot of times what happens is the kids do much better than the parents do. And the parents are kind of worried about their own emotions, but they're putting it on their kids. Don't you mm-hmm. think that happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's, the house conversation. I can yeah, live in well, I can live in a, under an underpass, but I must have the mansion for the children, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and you find out that the kids are gonna be fine. Kids exactly. are far more adaptable than the parents are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that you shouldn't think about what they need, but, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes people put too much weight on, oh, the children are going to really suffer. Um, 
Well, that's one of the benefits of the collaborative process is that the children actually do have a voice in a separate conversation with a child specialist who can, you know, basically give a voice to the kids because we do know that children tend to tell the parents what they think they want to hear. And for those that are out there that don't know what the collaborative process is, that's when you have, similar to what's going on with our podcast, you have an attorney, uh, two attorneys that sign an agreement that says they're never going to go to court. So there's always an incentive to stay in the process. And then you bring in um, a, a financial specialist like Mark here, or you might bring in a coach, a uh, mental health professional like Pete. And um, uh, you, you would bring in coaches for each of the parties and you bring in a child specialist and having a voice for those kids. We've seen that that can be really huge. So talking about the new year, hmm. I believe there may be a few people on this call that are thinking my new year's resolution is to finally go forward with the divorce. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. what, what should we be thinking about if that's on our agenda? Number one, call now to your, to your professionals, get a process started now, in my opinion, because if you wait until the new year, you're going to be in with the crush of all the other people that are yeah. thinking the same way that you do. We call it divorce season in the industry for a reason. January, February is kind of a a, a divorce season where we get a real rush of cases. And that's because people wait until the new year to file. It just seems to be like a lot of people that want to file right then. Sean, uh, and, and I think this is something that we've also touched on before, but I think it would be good for you to, I'm, I'm going to ask you to explain what you regard as the ideal, if you will, way for a person who is is decided to file for divorce to connect with a family law attorney. You as a mediator, how do you like to see those initial inquiries made? What do you think is... is I, the- Well, as a mediator, I like it when both parties call together. Mm-hmm. Or they can call my office and they can have a meet and greet and I'll get on a Zoom with two parties. Mm -hmm. You know, it's important for if you're able to do this. And I understand that there's some marriages where this isn't possible. Okay, so I don't want to be insensitive to that. But for for a lot of people, if you can, you know, Mark, you and I have always said the decision of how you divorce is almost as important as the decision to divorce. Yes. And so kind of talking that over with your spouse, what are the options to get divorced? And you might even consider uh, going to a website, cpcal.org. I think you actually go to cpcal.com too, um, and find a divorce options workshop. And they're all online now because with, with COVID, they've just kind of been doing them all online. You can do it by Zoom. There's some there in person, but you can meet with an attorney, a financial specialist, and a, a mental health professional and learn about all of the options for divorce, mm-hmm. you know, from the traditional litigation model to mediation, where you have a neutral working with both parties, to collaborative practice, like we described before, and other methodologies so that you can take control and be in charge of your own divorce. So that's the first thing. I love it when they have information. Yeah, so going to a the, workshop like that is huge. Mm-hmm. I agree because what tends to happen is people don't know what to do. And so they both know the marriage is not going well. They're having challenges in the relationship and something will happen that will scare one of the parties and they'll go, I need a strong attorney to yeah. protect fight me, me, fight for my rights. 
And they go and they hire somebody who perhaps has a billboard with knuckle dusters on there. They see on the freeway as they drive by. If they do that, what kind of attorney do you think their spouse is going to hire? Someone to match that. Not a milk toast, not somebody who's Mm going to just roll over. So now you're on what I term the divorce escalator. And that goes downwards, folks, not upwards. And once you get on it, it's very hard to get off. So talking about the process and how you want to do this, hopefully with your spouse, or at least gathering the information, as Sean was suggesting, by attending a divorce options workshop is a really important step. So, yeah, if you can come in together, that's better. You know, and and then even if you haven't gone to a divorce options workshop, if you call my office, I'll give you that information, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. And, and, sure and I do the same, by the way, too. And yeah. I have calls with both clients. Uh, I engineer those, and that's complimentary. So, and and don't go in thinking that you're going to get all of your questions answered for your case. What you want to focus on in the first call is process. How are we going to do this? Not, am I going to get to keep the house and where are the kids going to live? That will come. Mm-hmm. But the first thing to do is set the tone with a process that you choose. Take control of that process at the beginning, because when you wait and you just call the first billboard that you see, attorney, they're going to put you in their process, which is how they do things. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of litigators in town. That's all they do is litigation. And, and we we kind of joke that if all you have is a hammer is one of your tools, then the only thing you're going to see around town are nails. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the same thing with the litigator, all they're going to see, and I used to work for a litigation firm, it, it's just standard operating procedure, you file a petition, you go to court, you send a nasty gram to the other side, and you get going. And maybe that's not what you want, maybe you want it to be more of a respectful thing. The other thing, Pete, maybe this is something you can comment on, mm-hmm. is that conversation you have with the spouse about process. I've always told people, you know, talk to your spouse and say, you know, we're getting divorced, things are hard. They're not butterflies and rainbows, but we want, I I want to honor what was good about our relationship. And I want to put our kids first. Can we do this in a respectful way and find a process that'll keep us out of court and keep Mm -hmm. this more of a mutual respectful process? But how, how do you coach people to to have that? Well, I I think very much along those lines. um, And it's, it's, you know, certainly not unusual where I have, couples coming in and their first meetings with me are because they've decided to make the decision to divorce and they want to explore, okay, what does this mean? So I talk with them about process options. And I think what you're talking about is just this vitally important. And the way we've defined this and talked about it in previous podcasts is the idea of the couples coming together and defining a mission statement. How do they want to go through this process? What are the the objectives that they have, the goals that they have? What do they want to get out of it? I like to talk to, to couples who have made that decision in terms of, of this is an opportunity to really redefine and co-create a very different kind of post-divorce co-parenting relationship if they have children. You know, that this is an opportunity to really um, take a sense of stewardship about how they want to get through this process and kind of they come together in a collaborative way. So the, the, there, there's a boundary question that I'm curious about for you both. Um, if, if, if an individual, if your first contact is with an individual, does that preclude you from working as a mediator with both parties? My response is it depends. 
Um, how was I approached in the first case? And have I talked specifics of the case? If I've just talked process with one side, I'm fine with having the same conversation with the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone hired me and said, oh, I'm getting a divorce and um, I just need someone to look over my shoulder, make sure I don't do anything stupid from a financial standpoint, uh, and I've looked at the case and I've told the person the things they need to be conscious about as they go through it, and then they would come back and say, well, I think we're going to use you as a mediator. It's like, eh. Yeah, that's where I would have some difficulty because I've already sort of, you know, caucused with one side and tried to assist mm-hmm. them. But if I have had a conversation with one, I've done nothing but talk process. My normal um, modus operandi is to literally say, now I need to have the same conversation with your wife or with your husband. Mm-hmm. Could we set that up? Because we've mm-hmm. not talked about, you know, the specifics. My, my, my approach is quite similar I tell people, okay, I want the, this needs to be a non-substantive process-only discussion. We're going to talk about how you're going to get divorced before we talk about the specifics of your case. Because the moment I put on a hat and start dispensing legal advice, I'm forever aligned with you. I cannot undo that. I can't unring that bell. And so if you want to use me as a mediator, which you would be wise to consider, um, because that's really where my best skill set is, is the mediation, then let's, um, let's limit our conversation to process only. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where it gets a little kind of difficult sometimes is a lot of times when it's only one person calling and I can't get them scheduled together, it's because mm-hmm. there's such a communication breakdown. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe uh, the other person just can't believe that divorce is really happening and any speaking to a divorce professional means that we're going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen. We, we mm-hmm. did that all the time where uh, someone's in denial that there's really a divorce happening. And so then sometimes I will, I will give some suggestions on how to talk to the other person, but then I might refer them to someone like yourself, Pete, mm-hmm. to really get some coaching so that they can figure out how to enroll the other spouse in a process without it having to turn into a court situation. Mm-hmm. I, I will tell people, you know, you kind of talk to the other person like you do your child in a respectful way. But mm-hmm. I remember, you know, I have five kids and when we when they were little, sometimes we'd have this conversation. You can put on the red shoe or the blue shoe. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, give them mm-hmm. that choice. But they're mm-hmm. going to wear shoes. Mm-hmm. And so it's not very different from this. We can do this the nice, friendly mediation or collaborative way. But if you refuse to come to the table, I'm going to have to hire an attorney who will just move this forward in the in the legal process. Yeah, and and not that it's a threat. It's just letting you know this is the reality. This is moving mm-hmm. forward, and so that mm-hmm. happens too. I'm also aware of those situations where you have a coercive control, perhaps from mm-hmm. maybe maybe a person's calling me and they're afraid to talk to the other person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then I'll do a little bit of an assessment and I'll ask some more deep questions without feeling like I violated neutrality just to find out what's going on from this person's perspective. Has there been violence? Has there been stalking behaviors? Does this person feel safe? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I can basically get them with an attorney because I'm a mediator. I'm going to try to stay a mediator unless they really want me as their attorney. Um, and by the way, I'll, I'll represent them in a collaborative process, but I don't go to court. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, I will get them with an attorney who could look out for their 
you know, safety concerns. Like if there's a domestic violence concern, I want to make sure that gets addressed and they get to the resources that they need to be safe. Mm-hmm. But I won't give that advice. I'll just say, mm-hmm. you know, you need to talk to attorney X here who can really make sure you need to talk to them about your safety concerns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And and by the way, you can still mediate a case where there's things like that going on. Mm-hmm. You just have to be very careful and it's advanced work, but it, it, it's stuff that I do. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of good mediators have the training to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, did that answer your question, Pete? That was a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and you actually, um, you you also uh, responded, as part of your answer, answered something I was curious about, which is, like, do you have a preference? Would you rather, if I can put it that way, work <laughs> as a mediator or, um, you know, be the consulting attorney? And it sounds like you would rather be the mediator. Me personally? Yeah. You know? I, I would personally prefer to be a mediator because I yeah. just get more of a charge out of helping people resolve a difference. Um, I, I find that I, I don't mind representing people, but what's interesting is I actually, I actually changed my fee structure. I'm $25 more per hour. If you want me to represent you. Mm. Because I'm more willing to give my, more of myself for less money if it's mediation than if I'm, I'm representing someone because that takes a more of a toll on me. So then I'm, I'm going to charge $25 more an hour. And, and I, I just, uh, I guess to reiterate, I want to make sure that I, I'm saying this in the way that you, you would, you, you see it in the way you frame it, Sean, is that when possible, the best way to start a mediation process or to explore that is where both partners meet with the mediator together. That's what you'd like to see yeah. happen. 100%. That is always yeah. better. And yeah. I encourage that. If they ref- if they can't do it together, then I'll schedule mm-hmm. two meetings. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a non-substantive meeting, similar to what Mark was talking about. A non-substantive meeting with yeah. each of where we talk about process and we get there yeah. and I give them the same information. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, you know, when it's, when it's a challenging case, um, particularly high conflict or there's coercive control issues, um, I'll I'll set up what we call premarital or pre uh, sorry pre mediation counseling or coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, different mediators call it different things, but the idea is you have caucus sessions that are paid for with each of the parties prior to the mediation actually commencing. Mm-hmm. But it's understood that you're spending an hour with each of the parties and 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 talking to them about their perspective on the case, and then mm-hmm. that's okay because both mm-hmm. people know. I'm doing this from a neutral perspective and I'm giving each of them the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. That can be a useful thing to do. Like if you've mm-hmm. got a case where it's really, really like the, I had a case years ago where the <laughs> wife was just absolutely terrified of the husband. And he really was kind of a Turkey. Uh, he, he really did exert some manipulative behaviors and um, that those, those pre mediation meetings were really crucial to be able to help kind of set boundaries and have mm-hmm. some clarity about what's really going on so that I could then help the parties then reach a resolution. Because even though the husband was kind of a Turkey, I needed to be neutral to him mm-hmm. and, and help them both reach an agreement. Mm-hmm. 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 And by the way, you can, like I said, you can do domestic violence cases, you might, if there's a restraining order, you might have to modify the restraining order to allow for mediation to happen. But, you know, it might, you know, if we do it by Zoom, there's no contact at all. They don't even have to see each other. 
And if they do it at my office, I've got different conference rooms and we have precautions for how we can make sure that it's safe. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, it's interesting stuff. But yeah, I mean, if people are thinking about this end of the year thing and, and thinking that this is their their kind of their decision point, I, I get it. I mean, this is a, I do it every year with, you know, taking stock of how my year went and where I'm going in my next year. I come up with a word for myself every year for how I'm going to live my life and mm-hmm. run my business. And I can totally see where somebody's like, you know, I need to make this change. I need to do it soon. And so, you know, I, I my best advice would be communicate, communicate, communicate. And maybe you don't tell the kids immediately, but you probably ought to start talking to professionals about process soon yeah, so that you can plan for it. So that when you're ready to pull the trigger on this thing, sorry, that's an unfortunate metaphor, but when you're ready to get started on this thing, mm-hmm. uh, you 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 can you're you're ready to go and you've got the the tools, you know, available to you to do what you need to do. And and as I always tell my clients, stay in charge. Because one thing that does tend to happen if you go the litigation route is that your attorney will have you fill out the papers to file the divorce. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then those papers need to be served on the other spouse. And it's not done, as I know from bitter personal experience of sitting in my nice office in La Jolla and having a biker walk in to reception and drop a paper in front of other uh, I was a financial advisor in a nice firm and saw the papers dropped by this biker on a table as I walked up to him. You've been sued, buddy, and turned around and left in front of other clients. It did not set a good tone for the divorce. Mm. You know, it was basically like being slapped in the face. So be aware if you do go the litigation route, have a conversation about how to serve and not embarrass your spouse at their workplace or somewhere, you know, where they, (laughs) you know, Mm. feel that there are social pressures, frankly. Mm -hmm. Oh, and and this is very important. There's no such thing anymore as a secretly filed petition. Mm. And so we've had people in the past that, well, I'm going to file the petition, but I'm not going to serve the other person yet until I'm ready to talk to them about it. That is a mistake because there are these unethical people that will troll the court website and are looking for filings and then will reach out to your spouse to solicit uh, business from them so they can provide legal services to even you, you may not realize this, but you've been sued and I'm here to represent you and bad things can happen to you. And, Mm -hmm. and if the first time you're hearing about the divorce is from some third party unethical salesperson that's uh that's not good Mm -hmm. so so don't think that filing don't file unless you want the other person to see it and then i would recommend that um the service happen quickly but take charge of your service you don't have to use guido like mark was describing to show up at a person's office we can do this in a friendly way Back mediations, we just have them sign a piece of paper that says, "Okay, I got it," and then they don't have to send a process server. You know, I'm 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 wondering uh, to those folks listening who have made the decision that they want to get divorced, if if it would be, I'm thinking it would be useful if you could talk uh, a bit about what they should expect vis-a-vis time. This is a generalization, but I imagine that it it almost always takes longer than 
then um, particularly the motivated client wants it to. Uh, but just what's the and and I guess the other complexity is if if after the first of the year that's a busier time in your practice, Sean, because of people starting a process. How do you talk to people? Again, something we've touched on before, but in this context of you've made the decision to do it. How do you let them know what they should expect vis-a-vis time? Well, first of all, realize that um, divorce professionals have never been as busy as they are right now. Mm. Post-COVID, it's been apocalyptic for marriages. Mm. I think. I'm going to be really interested in seeing what the uh, research will show about statistics. But everyone I've talked to has said that the divorces have just been through the roof. Mm. And more difficult. And more difficult because yeah. people are just more, the anxiety is higher. The anger levels are higher. It's just yeah. crazy weird between the political climate and the COVID situation. It's just very difficult. So just know your attorney is going to be crazy busy and will not be as responsive to you as that person would like to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, my poor clients, I'm trying, but, but we're all just swamped. Yeah. Okay? yeah. The other thing is, um, be realistic about how long these things take. Yeah. It's not like you're going to walk into your attorney's office or into a mediator's office and the following week you're going to be divorced. It's a process. Um, and it takes some time on average, six to eight months for a mediated divorce is my experience. Um, if it's complex, like if there's financial complexities or emotional complexities, it'll take a year or two mm-hmm. times longer. Mark, we have cases that have gone five years. Yeah. Um, you know, so everybody's different. So just kind of be realistic about what Mm -hmm. it's going to take to unwind this. And I would say also don't want it to be over fast in a way, because this is the largest financial transaction of most people's lifetimes. Mm -hmm. You want Mm -hmm. to get it right. Just getting it done. I understand it. Want to get it done. I want this behind me. I want to move forward with my life. (laughs) I get all that. However, you don't want to look at it three years down the road and go, oh, that was really stupid. Yeah. I shouldn't have made that financial decision. I didn't understand it. I was rushing to get it done. Mm. So, you you know, you yes, you want to get it done in a timely fashion, but you want to get it done right, more important mm-hmm. than time. I mean, how many times have you left the car dealership <laughs> and realized something that you should have thought about in the car dealership? But you <laughs> Yeah. now have a car or I just had a window guy come to our house and Carrie and I were like, Oh, we should have talked about that. We should have talked about this, but we went ahead and signed because they pressure you, you know, like, Oh, you yeah. lose, you lose money. If you don't sign this second, <laughs> <laughs> and you want your windows done. Right. But um, <laughs> you need to be kind of realistic about this is going to be more work than you've probably done on any project in your life. And that includes your professional work. Mm-hmm. That's for most people. That's the report I get. Yep. And this is like successful CEOs that have built large companies and, yeah. and 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 they will tell you this is the hardest work they've ever engaged in. So be realistic about that. It's going to take work. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell my clients, I'll meet you halfway. I will never work harder than my client. Mm-hmm. A good professional will tell you that. If they try to do everything for you, it's probably a bad process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, just and it takes time. And a lot of times there's also that issue, and we've talked about it before on this podcast, uh, where someone's ready to go and someone's not there yet. Yeah. 
And what we've learned is, is slower is faster. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the other thing is, you know, if you go to court, you know, as opposed to a mediated process, I absolutely promise and guarantee that it'll take four times as long because the courts are even more overwhelmed than we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and to have just a simple motion heard can take six months to a year. Yeah. Um, where, whereas we can do things faster. So just kind of, it, it, you, you've never experienced this before. Most people have not been through divorce if you, or maybe you've been through one divorce or two, you know, we have our repeat offenders, mm -hmm. our serial monogamists, but, um, uh, most people, this is, they've not experienced this before. And so, um, you don't know that this pace that feels very glacial is actually at warp speed. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And people come in talking to me about, I, I can't tell you how many people have walked in and said, well, our case is pretty simple. We've got a house, we've got some pensions, I have some stock options. And she did get an inheritance, but we've kind of talked about it. It's all pretty straightforward. You read everything well, already. Yeah. That's um, often the most difficult cases because there are presumptions that people have made before they had all the information necessary to make an informed, a truly informed decision. And what, you mean you want your inheritance to remain separate property? <laughs> I didn't realize that's what we were talking about. Yeah. You know, that happens, right? Yep. Or when they actually see what the support numbers are, whether it's the payor or the payee, they're both going to be unhappy with that number because it's always more than the payee, payor wants to pay and less than the payee wants to receive. And they're both right because there's just not enough money to go around. Yep. And so, you know, you, giving yourself a little bit of patience and a little bit of uh, flexibility and understanding compassion for yourself. That this is going to take some time that you're going to need to adjust to it is, is a really good approach. I think. Mm. This, this guys, this has been, um, I, I, for me, a really interesting conversation. I'm glad we're having it. Although I, I need to say to the two of you, I'm, I'm disappointed that neither one of you suggested giving, given the timing of the year that, you know, we should have been doing this with eggnog. Um, <laughs> so, well, don't we have one more before Christmas? We have scheduled to record. <laughs> I, we can all come with our with our beverage of choice at that point. So. And, and your your sweaters are way too tasteful for this time of year, guys. Well, I always thought that that song "Auld Lang Syne" was very appropriate for New Year's. And divorce. Should old acquaintances be forgot? What <laughs> 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 some people aim for, but I just forget. But well, so Sean, so if um, if somebody has made the decision to to get divorced, how do they get in touch with you? Well, the best thing to do would be to go to my website first, WeberDisputeResolution.com. That's Weber with one B, like the grill dispute like we had a fight resolution like we solved it dot com um and we will you know if you have any kind of dispute we will match you with a mediator uh who will help you resolve your dispute and we can talk about these things and if you're doing a divorce if you can f pull it off let's get both of you to talk to me or and we can we can figure out a process that'll work for you 
And Mark, if uh, people have financial questions about divorce or other financial questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you? My website, um, packdivorce.com, P-A-C-D-I-V-O-R-C-E.com, lays out exactly how we do things, how we approach things. Uh, Like Sean, we don't go to court anymore, but we can help you resolve your issue if you want to work in a mediated environment. And we can also help on one side if you just want some information to know if the you're in the process and know if what you're deciding to do makes sense financially. So we can help on all those levels. Peter. Yeah. I, you know, and I think that here's the pitch that I'd like to make today that um, I'm hoping that, that people are listening to this who are thinking about divorce, but they're open to the possibility of doing marital therapy to see whether or not there's a way to save their marriage. Mm -hmm. Because I think of that as, as my primary specialty, working with couples that are really struggling, um, concerned that there isn't a way forward for them. Those are the, the couples that I really enjoy working with. And so if you're you're interested in that kind of a service, my website is peterrussos.com, P-E-T-E-R-R-O-U-S-S-O-S.com. I'm also available to help uh, families that are going through divorce processes in the way of coaching in support of the kinds of processes that Sean and Mark offer. And we love working with you, Pete. You always make the case more smooth. Well, uh, I, I so love and, and enjoy working with the two of you and have such respect for, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times um, uh, I find myself listening to the two of you and just being really impressed and appreciative of, of how sharp you, you are, how compassionate you are, and how much I think you just really understand and know how to work with relational dynamics. So it certainly uh, makes working with you guys very smooth. And, and quite honestly, you're, you're also really delightful and it makes the process fun. So, <laughs> Well, you know, Pete, if ever I suffer from depression, I'm just going to hang out with you. <laughs> and have you say things like that <laughs> anytime man anytime anytime it's a, it's, a, it's a mutual feeling Pete. it is indeed it is indeed thank you guys it really is a pleasure doing this with you all right and to those out there in podcast land that are listening to us uh please uh like us say nice things about us online Uh, If you know somebody that needs to hear what we have to say, please share our podcast with them. We're available anywhere where you can download a podcast. I think we're pretty much universal now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, uh, love that we have listeners out there. And those of you that are regular listeners, we really love you. And uh, those of you that would share with others what we do, I think we have an important message to share. So uh, now at the end of the year, we wish you a very happy holidays and a very prosperous new year. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Three Wise Men of Divorce, Money, Psych, and Law. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and share with others who may be in a similar place. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and focused on a positive, bright future. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Every family law case is unique, so no legal, financial, or mental health advice is intended during this podcast. If you need help with your specific situation, feel free to schedule a time to speak with one of us for a personal consultation.